Everybody say, in the desert. Say it louder, in the desert. Have you ever found yourself in the desert? It's hot, you're thirsty, you don't know where to go or how to get out. A few years ago, a gentleman named Ed Rosenthal was in the Mojave Desert on a hike that he had taken many times before, a four-mile hike. Although he got distracted with some of the beauty of God's creation in the desert and took a detour. This small detour ended up in six days of being completely lost in the desert. He tried to get back to the path. He could not find it. He found himself circling, circling, circling. He had one flare in his backpack. He sent it off. No answer. He had finally, after losing 20 pounds in six days, tried to scratch out his will on a hat with a rock when he heard the sound of a helicopter coming to get him. Have you ever been rescued when you were alone in a desert somewhere? After several days in the hospital and recovery, uh, he made a full recovery. He made two mistakes. One, he went all by himself. Never go into the desert, never go into a situation that's difficult alone. Can you say amen? amen. Number two, he didn't have a map. So today I wanna to give you a map about how to get out of the wilderness, is that okay? Uh, but before we get into the Word of God, I just want to say how honored I am to be here at Christ Legacy Church. I've been here for many events, but not on a Sunday morning, and so I have already etched this on my resume. I got to preach at Christ Legacy. You are one of the flagship churches in our entire tribe. Did you know this? And you are a, a city that sit on a hill. You're one of the most visible churches Thousands of people drive by this place every day, and I'm so glad that not only the physical visibility, but the spiritual viability that you provide brings hope to so many. I have had the highest respect for your pastor and the first lady of this church for many, many years. I've gleaned so much wisdom from him through events and just being able to rub shoulders. And can I tell you that Sister Linda has the spirit of joy. Anytime I'm around her, I'm laughing. She brings joy to my heart. And Faith, uh, my lovely wife, just adores uh, both of them. Can I tell you the last 22 months has been the most challenging, difficult time to pastor, I believe, since the Civil War. In fact, Peter Drucker, before the pandemic, said that the four most stressful jobs in the United States, he's not a believer, not a church guy, he's a business guy. Peter Drucker said, President of the United States, pretty stressful. Hospital administrator, pretty stressful. College president, pretty stressful. His fourth on his list was pastor of a local church, and that was before the pandemic. And yet through the last 22 months, high, low, mass, no mass, sickness, no sickness. Your pastor and his wife have led with integrity, with honor, with courage, that the gospel has still been proclaimed in the most difficult situations. And I think it would just be right for us to give your pastor a standing ovation right now for his faithfulness. You are an amazing man of God, Pastor David Brooks. 
And while you're standing, Sister Linda's not feeling so good today. So Lord, in Jesus' name, may you come down and touch her body. By the stripes of Jesus, she is made whole. We know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus, you give life and you give it more abundantly even right now. We're praising you for the miracle. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Shout praise the Lord. Uh, you may be seated. I'm going to ask my wife, Faith, to join me for just a moment. And although they'll be mad at me later, Isaac and Emery, would you stand? This is my son and my daughter. They're in high school. Uh, they moved uh, with us from Bartlesville. Uh, haven't complained once. A few teary moments, maybe losing friends, but uh, I'm just so proud of both of them. And uh, my amazing wife, uh, who is my rock and my anchor, uh, we are uh, co-laborers in this new role of superintendents. People have asked, how's it going? The verdict's still out, but pray for us. Uh, but I've got her, so I'm encouraged, and she just wanted to greet you today. Well, thank you so much for welcome, welcoming me and my family today. You guys have been nothing but just wonderful and such a blessing to us. But I get the exciting challenge to tell you about something new that's happening in the district. We are joining with an organization called Backyard Orphans. And Backyard Orphans joins with the state and they join with the Department of Human Services to help children that are waiting for a forever home. That can be through adoption, through foster care, or just through supporting with prayer and with a care portal. You might say, I can't adopt a kid right now, or I can't foster a kid, but you can support those who are. And so if God is laying that on your heart, we are gonna be rolling that out in the next few weeks. Please contact Pastor Brooks, and we can get in contact with you. We will have somebody come to your church and help you just get information about what that entails. So we just wanted to have you pray with us in this new exciting journey with the district. Thank you, Faith. <clears throat> Without Faith, it's impossible to please God, so I married her. Uh, there's, there's, five, there's a little over 500 um, children in foster system right now that are looking for forever homes. We have nearly 500 churches in our Assemblies of God family. Uh, your church is already doing so much, but if every church just did one child, how many know it's a solvable problem? I, I've already told government officials that the Oklahoma Assemblies of God is going to solve this problem, so I need your prayers uh, to help us. Amen? Amen. Now, if you'll turn, uh, if you have your Bibles, if you open, Numbers chapter 11 is where we're going to go. And then also, if you could just flip over to Philippians chapter 2, we'll just pull one verse from Philippians chapter 2. But Numbers 11 is where I'm going to be based out of. Again, this is such an honor to be here. I asked Pastor Brooks if I could speak on any particular topic. He said, God will tell you. And so I prayed, and this is what was on my heart. I did not know until this morning that you're getting ready to jump into Joshua. And so this is the preface to get you to Joshua. So the Pentateuch is the, the first five books of the Old Testament, and uh, the, the middle book there is Numbers, and that's where we're going to go today, and it's a, fab, it's a fantastic story. It's an incredible story of God leading his people through the wilderness. Let me catch you up in case you're new. So the first book is Genesis. It just means beginnings. Everybody say beginnings. It's the beginning of creation of the universe, but it's also the beginning of a journey of faith with Abraham, his son Isaac, grandson Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. The second half of Genesis is a story of faith and forgiveness. As you know, Joseph, that son of Jacob, was betrayed by his brothers. Anybody in the house been betrayed? 
Yeah. And yet, when opportunities for revenge and vindictiveness uh, occurred to Joseph, instead he took the route of forgiveness, and that's the route that our Savior Jesus teaches and models to us. We get through the book of Genesis and we get to Exodus because the people of Israel have found themselves in Egypt and the Egyptians were afraid. They put them in slavery. I want you to hear this. God never wants his people to be enslaved to anyone or anything any substance or any addiction. God wants freedom. So God raised up a redeemer in the first part of Exodus. His name was Moses. He was not perfect. He spent 40 years on the backside of a desert shepherding sheep, not knowing he was going to have to pastor some pretty stubborn sheep. And yet God used him and performed miracles and the miracles with the 10 plagues and the Red Sea crossing, walking over on dry ground and defeating the Pharaoh's army should have been enough miracles for them to praise God and worship God for the rest of their lives. And yet they started whining. You ever been there? God gives you some miracles. You should be worshiping the rest of your days. And yet, whine, 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 whiny, whiny, whiny. How many have some whiny friends? Don't point right now. We all have a few. We've all been those few friends, right? So Exodus, we see the people of God be delivered from Egypt. They get over into the desert and God downloads, don't, he downloads some road signs, the Ten Commandments and some of the laws that are going to direct them in the spiritual roads and journeys ahead to them. And then we get to the book that we're in today, Numbers. Now, I used to think that God wasn't concerned with numbers until I found that there's a book in the Bible, a complete book named Numbers. <laughs> God is concerned with numbers because he's concerned about every lost soul, right? And the book of Numbers is called that because there's a census at the beginning of the book and there's a census at the end of the book, so we call it Numbers. However, in the Hebrew Bible, it's actually, the Hebrew word actually means in the wilderness. You'll see in the, in the wilderness there in verse number one of, of Numbers. You'll see it there. In fact, we go Genesis, Exodus, as we was downloading, Moses was downloading, uh, we get the book Leviticus. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 1, we see that God calls Moses from outside the tent of meeting, the holy place. And then in Numbers chapter 1, we see God call Moses, he's inside the tent of meeting with God. How do you get from verse 1 of Leviticus to verse 1 in Numbers? How do you get from outside the tent, inside with tent? You know what the theme of Leviticus is? Holiness. Holiness is how we get into the presence of Almighty God. So it's been one year and one month since God let the people come out of Egypt. They've seen miracles. God's taken care of them with manna. Can you imagine bread just shows up at your feet every day? You don't have to order it. You don't have to do DoorDash. It just shows up at your feet. And when they should have been worshiping God, what did they do? Wine. Everybody say wine. Did you know you cannot worship and wine at the same time? It's impossible. I hope you were worshiping this morning because that was powerful. Give it up for your praise team. That was magnificent. Man, I found myself in the presence of God. 
There's been sometimes I visited the church and I found myself distracted, a little whiny because it wasn't going so good, right? But I found no matter what the music is, I can either worship or I can whine, but I can't do both at the same time. And the people of God begin to whine instead of worship. So it's been one year, one month, Moses comes down the mountain, he says, it's time to get going, boys and girls, let's go. And so they begin to journey into the wilderness and we find ourselves in Numbers chapter 11 and this chapter has one theme, complaining. I don't know if you are in a desert today, but if you want to get out of the desert, the number one key is stop complaining. Have you found this? Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, summarizes this in Philippians chapter 2, and I'm a proponent of memorizing a verse, so I'm going to challenge you all to memorize a verse today. Are, anybody accept the challenge? If you accept the challenge, why don't you just stand up one last time. It's Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 14. The Apostle Paul gives us this verse. It's super easy to memorize, and so just say it with me here. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Say it again. Do most things... Oh, no, 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 no. Here we go. Let's do it again. Do everything without complaining and arguing. One more time. Do a few things. Oh, no, I got it wrong. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Where is it found? Lord Jesus, would you help us just in the next few moments we have? Would you allow our hearts to be transformed by the renewing of your word and your spirit? I thank you for this amazing church that's full of praise and full of worship, and you've got places for them to go. They are turning north, and I can't wait to follow them online and hear these messages, God. I pray, God, that your favor would be upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you turn to your neighbor and just say, I'm sick of your whining and complaining. <laughs> Now, the Apostle Paul gives us this verse, and he's not just in some restaurant eating strawberries with cream. He's in jail. He's arrested. He's in prison. And yet he says, do everything without complaining and, and arguing, without grumbling. And I believe no matter what circumstances we're in, we can follow this verse. In fact, I have a little wristband here that's engraved, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. And so when I'm in traffic, and you guys have worse traffic than we had in Bartlesville, in Bartlesville, we had rush minute. It was 5 to 5.01, and it was over. You have rush hours. And so sometimes I find myself complaining about the people who do not know how to drive in this city. I feel like I have the spiritual authority to teach them how to drive, but they don't listen or pay attention. And so occasionally when I complain with this little wristband, I just find myself, I need to pop myself because I need to do everything without complaining and arguing, right? Now, I want to preface this. I've not heard one person complain ever from Christ's legacy. I've never heard Pastor Brooks or Sister Linda ever complain. In fact, when you are not around, they are bragging about you. I can't tell you how many times your pastor has bragged about you to me and other leaders. He is proud of you, and he should be. So I've not heard anybody complain, or I couldn't preach this message today. But because I haven't, I'm just going to go ahead and give you a truth that I need to deal with. And if you'll let me preach to myself, you can just listen in. Is that all right? So let me give you really four truths from Exodus chapter 11 that help us get out of the wilderness. If you're taking notes, four truths that'll help you get out of the wilderness. Are you ready for this? Number one, complaining is dangerous. Everybody say dangerous. Now, when you start complaining, it's a red alert. There's danger ahead for you. Why? Because God created you to worship and instead you are whining. 
Now, let me show you. We're just going to walk through some verses here in, in Numbers chapter, I'm sorry, Numbers chapter 11. And let's just look at these first couple verses of this chapter. Here's what it says. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. You know what their hardship was? That they were going to get to go through the desert. Now it took a year and one month to get them to this point, And they're now, they're getting ready to journey. It was an 11 day journey from where they were to the promised land. 11 days. Do you know how long it took them? 40 years and only a couple of them made it. And I don't know about you, but God has a promised land for this church. God has a promised land for your ministry. God has a promised land for your family. God has a promised land for my family. But if we want to get out of the wilderness from where we're at to the promised land, we're going to have to stop complaining and whining, and we're going to have to worship even more than we've ever have. So here's what happens. Soon the people begin to complain about their hardship free bread from heaven, manna is what they're complaining about. And the Lord heard everything they said. You know why complaining is dangerous? Because the Lord is listening, right? That's the number one danger. The Lord is listening. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them and he sent a fire to rage among them and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Have you ever been on your job? You got a whiny coworker and you wish just God would send some fire down on Monday morning. <laughs> Don't pray that. Pray grace for that person. But sometimes we do that. If We're just going to stay in, in, in Numbers chapter 11, but if you flip over later today to chapter 12, we see Miriam, Moses' sister, starts complaining about Moses' wife. Sounds like a Thanksgiving party, doesn't it? And everybody's complaining about the in-laws. And, and, and Miriam starts complaining, whining, and she gets struck with a skin disease, uh, some leprosy. And, and you know what? You may not get a skin disease, but I can tell you when you just do nothing but complain, a disease will come to your soul. Uh, complaining is dangerous. There's a story about a monk that went into a monastery and you had to go 10 years without saying a word. And every 10 years, you were only allowed to say two words to your supervising monk. So he endured for 10 years there at the monastery, didn't say a thing. He comes to a supervisor after a decade and he says these two words, food bad. <laughs> then he walks out and he leaves. 10 years later, he comes to the same supervisor. Two words he gets to choose. Bed hard. <laughs> Turns around and walks out. 10 years later, 30 years later since he started, he walks in. I quit. <laughs> supervisor said, I'm not surprised. You've done nothing but complain ever since you've been here. <laughs> it's easy to do, isn't it? Honestly, sometimes it's, can we admit it's kind of fun to do? Uh, it can be even funny to do, but when it's serious business where God wants to get you to a spiritual place of promise, that promised land, it's not a time to whine. It is a time to worship God. That's why we need to be assembling together more now than ever before. We understand this wave of COVID that has hit. Thank the Lord that your church is open. We've got churches across the state that have had to close because so many leaders have been affected by this dreaded virus. Virus. But we need to be assembling, thank God for online, but there's something about getting together and worshiping the Lord as a corporate body. The very word church in the New Testament is ecclesia. It translates assembly. That's why we are assembly of God, because we were created to assemble together in the very presence of God. And if you want to get to your promised land, complaining is dangerous. Everybody say complaining. Everybody say it's dangerous. 
You can't whine and worship at the same time. Now, I, this verse that I want you to memorize. When Jesus was tempted by the evil one in the desert, he quoted scripture for all three temptations. So when you're tempted this week to complain, I want you to quote Philippians 2.14. You got it memorized yet? Do everything without complaining and... Oh, you are smart. You've already got it in the vault of your heart where nobody can take it away. So first truth we learn from, from Numbers 11 is that complaining is dangerous. Truth number two, complaining is contagious. Did you know this? I believe it's more contagious than COVID-19. <laughs> It is, you get around complainers, you're gonna become a complainer. As a youth pastor, I always told my students, you wanna know who you're gonna become? Just look at your three closest friends, because they are contagious. You get around positive people, worship God, you're gonna be worshiping God. You get around some Eeyores, thanks for noticing, you're gonna turn into Eeyore. Find a Tigger, woohoo, you're gonna be a Tigger. Now, complaining is contagious, and if you're around complainers, you will become a complainer. Let me show you this from Numbers chapter 11, here just in the very next verses. It says this, then the foreign rabble, <laughs> so there were people that weren't Israelites, that weren't circumcised, that were, were going along on the journey too, and they began to crave the good things of Egypt. This is amazing to me. And the people of Israel also begin to complain, oh, for some meat, they begin to experience exclaim. Now here's what happened. The foreign people that were traveling with them began to complain. And what happened? They were contagious. And so the Israelites began to complain. Now what? They're getting, they're getting free bread. <laughs> They've seen miracles. They've seen smoke and fire on the mountaintop. They've got the Ten Commandments. They've seen the Pharaoh's army destroyed. And yet here we go again. Complaining is super, super contagious. Can I tell you, 22 months ago, when we were told, give us two weeks to flatten the curve. Do you remember this? And instead, the enemy had planned this as a spiritual attack, two years to flatten us, right? But we will not be defeated. The truth is, the first report I got was two years ago, just about this week. And the report I got from a friend that had military friends in China was that two million people in the United States would die because of this COVID. I was instructed that we would have to do multiple mass funerals because there wouldn't be enough days to do all the funerals. It was dire news. It was terrible. And as terrible as COVID has been... Can I tell you that the church began to pray and I believe there was spiritual intervention and I believe we saw a miracle. I'm not discounting all the sickness and the death that's hit my family and my friends. I understand that. But I want you to know, I believe God somehow intervened in all of this. Do you believe that? In fact, in the middle of it, as I was pastoring a church and we, we couldn't really understand, how many know God's always working? We don't always always see it. And then we had missionaries, David and Beth Grant, who, who have Project Rescue, who rescues uh, people out of human trafficking. And we realized that in March of 2020, all the brothels in India and in Thailand begin to shut down because there was no international business travel. And suddenly these 
pimps begin to release these women and these children because they couldn't afford to feed them. And our missionaries that were already on the ground begin to take these broken children and these broken ladies and begin to retrain them and bring therapy to them and counseling to them and love to them. And now I have scarves that these women who were trapped in sexual bondage, but there was a shutdown back in March that I was complaining about. But on the other side of the planet, God was rescuing people. And I said, God, forgive me for my complaints about shutting down or wearing a mask. If you rescued one child out of that horrible, vile, sinful thing, then let us shut down again and rescue a few more, Lord. Lord, forgive me for my complaining, right? It was, it was contagious. Uh, my family, we love basketball. All my kids have played competitive basketball at one time or another. And, and yesterday we were going to a tournament and one of my best friends is a basketball college coach. And we were on the phone to him on speakerphone with my son. And I just asked him, I said, hey coach, can you tell me, we're talking about team chemistry and things. I said, can you tell me how important attitude is with a basketball team? And he didn't hesitate. And he said, oh, it's 100%. You can have the best talent on the, in the world, but if they don't have the right attitude, it doesn't do the team any good. Can I tell you, if we don't get the right spirit and the right attitude, even through some of the most dire, difficult times that we're living through, we're not going to get to where God wants us to go. Listen, I believe God is sifting some things in the church to bring a mighty outpouring of his Holy Spirit upon the church. Do you believe it? And yet I find too many times I hear believers, never heard any of you, but I've heard some believers in other places just whine, but you can't whine and worship at the same time. Complaining is dangerous. Complaining is contagious. And let me give you truth number three. I'll go quickly here. Truth number three is that complaining actually dims past challenges and exaggerates the current challenges. Let me, let me explain this again. Get that in your heart for a second. Complaining dims the past challenges and exaggerates the current challenges because we think, oh, the good old days, right? I mean, no, the good old days weren't quite as good as we remember them, right? Um, uh, let me illustrate this with Exodus, I'm sorry, with Numbers chapter 11. Keep going back to Exodus. Numbers chapter 11, it says, we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, the melons, leeks, and onions. We even had a lifetime card for free Chick-fil-A back there in Egypt. <laughs> you know what they're forgetting? They were slaves. They were abused. And yet occasionally they got a free Larry the Cucumber and now they're suddenly exaggerating that and they're, they're ex dimming that and their current circumstances. Look at the next verse. It says this. It says, but now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Manna, 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 manna. <laughs> manna, 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 manna. Oh my goodness. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, we were going through a, a journey um, that we felt like God had put on our hearts. To We were re relocating the main campus of our church and building a new building, 48 acres and all that. And so as Pastor Brooks will tell you, the building program here, I remember it and watched it closely and learned a lot of lessons for our journey. And uh, it's the most exhilarating and the most exhausting time ever when you're in a building program. It's 1% physical, 2% emotional, 3% financial, and 90% spiritual when you're in a building program because the enemy doesn't want, enemy doesn't want you to, to expand the kingdom of God. And so it's all, it's all spiritual. And I had a senior uh, pastor 
he was he was a pastor that had retired, become a missionary. Now he's a part of our congregation, and just a, an amazing man named Charles McKnight. And so we opened the new building. It was glorious. People got saved. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. And he came to me and he said, Pastor D, I just want to go out on the highway in front of the church and have a big sign that says Neener Neener Neener. And I said, What are you talking about? He said, Oh, I wanted to just to throw up the sign Neener Neener. I said, To who? He said. Well, to the people that were rooting against you, I said, there were people rooting against us? He said, oh, there were people in the community that said, oh, this is just Pastor D's folly. This is just his big imagination thinking he can do this or build this or whatever. I said, well, I guess I was just so focused on the plow in front of me, I never heard any of them. How many know there's some, there's some people that do not want you or your ministry or your family or this church to succeed? And listen, you can't listen to them. Uh, listen, because they're, they're talking about the old slave days. And listen, I am free in the spirit. I'm free in Jesus. And as big a dreams as Christ's legacy has, I got two words for you from the Lord. Dream bigger. God's got bigger dreams for you than ever before in this place to see lives changed and delivered and got gold medal of achievement, Royal Rangers coming up even today. I saw it on the announcements and my heart leaped. Listen, I know some of your leadership because uh, Claudia and Melissa have to put up with me every day in the office and they are spirit-filled leaders of God Almighty and I hear things that are happening at Christ's legacy, but the best is yet to come. So although there are challenges and there's some big challenges, we're going to keep worshiping through the challenges and we're not going to whine about the things that slow us down, right? You know, through COVID, you find yourselves complaining. Just yesterday, we were out of town at a basketball tournament trying to find something to eat and restaurants had closed down again. I wanted, I wanted some Panda Express Chinese food. We went up to the door and boom, it was not open. You know, through COVID, have you found yourself complaining? You know, we always had a mask in my pocket and then I thought we got through that. And then now you got to have some mask at different places. And, and you know, I'd complain about, man, the temporary mask, people would just throw down everywhere outside the doors. It was just, things look terrible now, just littering. And, and you know, and, and now the people were requiring masks again. So, man, I'm forgetting to carry one. And so, oh man, I got to go home and get a mask and I'm complaining on the way. It's like, you know, I don't even care anymore. I just grabbed one of those dirty masks off the ground and put it on. I was like, man, crazy. Jesus, whatever. <laughs> Lord, forgive me for my complaining, right? Help, help us not, not whine about God's circumstances because he's doing something supernatural, right? Let me give you the fourth truth we see just from Exodus chapter 11 is complaining discourages leadership. God gave uh, Moses and Aaron and a her to lift up his arms. And when his arms were lifted, they were beating the Amalekites. But when his arms went down, they weren't defeating the Amalekites. They were getting defeated. And can I tell you, this anointed man of God that wasn't uh, here because of an election of people with a ballot or because um, somebody opened a door or there was a resume, Pastor Brooks is here by a divine appointment of Almighty God. And when we lift our pastor and his team, his staff up, and you have an incredible staff pastor team, when you lift their hands up, can I tell you, more spiritual battle can be done. But when our hands as pastors are weighted down, and you have to understand, I think you know this, that every Sunday at every church across Oklahoma, it's too fast, it's too slow. It's too cold, it's too hot, it's too long, and it's too short all at the same time. 
pastor didn't have enough faith through COVID. Pastor had too much craziness. He's crazy, not even wise in COVID. <laughs> he shut down too long. He didn't, he should have kept us shut down longer. You know? you know? But when we begin to lift up a pastor's hands, there's no stopping the spirit of the Lord. Now look at this. In, in Numbers chapter 11, it says, Moses heard all the family standing in the doorways of their tents whining. That's the NLT version. And the Lord became extremely angry, Moses was also very aggravated. I take solace that the Lord was, ang- the Lord was very angry, even though Moses was just aggravated, right? And, and God takes care of all that. Uh, Moses was the most meek person there was. In fact, when God wanted to kill some of the Israelites, I got to admit, there's sometimes I said, God, can I watch? Uh, but Moses said, no, 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 no. Moses was this amazing and meek shepherd. Early on in our journey of lead pastoring, I had a gentleman come up to me in faith, and he, he said this. He said, my spiritual gift is to keep you humble. Therefore, everything you do wrong and everything this church does wrong, I will be pointed out to you with bright spotlights. My wife is very wise, and she immediately said, that's not a spiritual gift. <laughs> Can't find that in the Bible, right? There's times to examine and look and correct, of course, but that's not a spiritual gift. I can't, I've never had this happen yet as a district superintendent. I'm still new, but I would love Christ's legacy to be the first time this ever happens that Pastor Brooks and Sister Linda come to me and say, hey, Soup Wooten, you're going to have to come back over to Christ's legacy and tell them to stop because we are so over-encouraged. We do not know what to do. They will not stop the encouragement. We just can't handle all the encouragement. How many think Christ's legacy should be the first church that Oklahoma ever hears about just over-encouragement? I really believe that. Give the Lord a shout of praise because God is so amazing. Now, let me wrap this whole thing up uh, with this. Um, Of course, of course, complaining is dangerous. Of course, complaining is contagious. Of course, it exaggerates uh, the current situation and dims the past and, and switches our perspective and it discourages leadership. But I want you to see what happens in a prophetic sense. Go, I don't have time. I need to wrap this up. But Exodus, uh, Numbers chapter 11 is so amazing that God answers their request. Even though they've been whining, he's so gracious. He gives them meat. In fact, he sends quell. It's up to their knees. I call it quell because there's so much quail they don't know what to do with it. And, and listen, God is able to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So I'm just going to ask whatever the need is, if it's physical, spiritual, if it's in your marriage, if it's in the church, if it's in your job, I want you to take this day, I want you to take this week, I want you to take the rest of January and I want you to try and experiment. I want you not to complain about it one more time, but anytime the temptation comes to complain, about it. I want you to put it to the back burner and I want you to spend some time in worship with the Lord saying, God, you are holy. God, you are mighty. I'm going to go back to the live stream at Christ's legacy. and I'm going to listen to that amazing worship set on January 23rd because that was powerful. That was anointed. I'm going to get lost. And I want you to see not only your interperspective, but your circumstances begin to change around you because God is so amazing. Let me just show you one more verse here at the end of chapter 11. Uh, The next one, I'm sorry. Thank you. It says, And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they began to prophesy. This never happened again. That last phrase, I don't know why, maybe because they kept complaining. (laughs) 
They kept complaining. In fact, it finally got to Moses, right? It got to Moses, and you remember he struck the rock twice, and he didn't get to go into the promised land. It seemed like ultra, ultra punishment for something. Man, I've wanted to hit the rock, right? Hit it a couple times. I want to hit it a dozen times. And yet, you know what? This picture of Jesus that was being painted with, through typology in the Old Testament, that the rock, Jesus, was only going to be struck once. He was only struck once for your sins and for my sins. He finished it once. It's all finished. And because Moses lost his meekness for just a moment, he messed up the picture that God was painting. And when we get in ourselves and start complaining, we mess up the picture and the portrait that God is painting. Now, I want you to know if you're a complainer, there's hope for you. If you say, oh man, I'm just convicted. I don't know you. This word is for you because you know, even though Moses didn't get into the promised land with the Israelites, through Jesus, he got to the promised land on the Mount of Transfiguration. Who's standing there with Jesus? It is Moses. His feet have finally got to the promised land. And maybe you've been doing too much whining and complaining and haven't got to where God wants you to go. But today, through the power and the hope and the supernatural miracle working work of Jesus, he can get you to that place of promise. Do you believe it? If you believe it, would you stand and give the Lord a shout of praise all over this place? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, for this story that we've barely scratched the surface on in Numbers chapter 11. But we thank you that we learned so many truths from it. More, there's way more than four, but we have time for four today. And I just ask you right now to help us. I'm here at a church that's full of praise and full of worship. But Lord, we just sometimes need to be reminded we gotta keep our focus on you. And Lord, I pray like these 70 elders that the Spirit of God would just begin to fall on these amazing people, on the leaders, on the ministry servants, on the pastoral team, that you would just begin to do something like only you can do in this incredible body of believers. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.